I'm going to preach today a little bit less, uh, I don't know, point-driven, if you will. Like, I normally have three points for, and then scriptures that support the points. I'm going to preach today in what scholars would call an expository fashion. That is a verse-by-verse fashion. So from now on, if you hear somebody refer to expository preaching, they just mean verse-by-verse. I just gave you like a semester of Bible college. Now that person can't feel more intelligent because you know what that word. No, don't confuse that with Just You don't want to confuse the two because that you don't those don't mean the same so verse by verse is how we're going today and we'll pick up in verse 19 but before we go there I just want to remind you last week just in line of the context of this passage um, Paul remind I'm sorry James reminded us Paul wrote so much of it he gets credit for some things he didn't James reminded us in his book that when we're tempted we shouldn't say that God tempted us because God is not tempted and he does not tempt but that the temptations that we face come from within ourselves. Like, that's where it comes from. And then James gives us an explanation. He actually exposes the enemy's plan. The enemy doesn't have new tactics. He just keeps updating them every generation. He keeps doing the same. He's doing the same thing today that he was doing in the Garden of Eden. And he just keeps updating his tactics. It's not new, it's just updated. It's like the stupid iPhone that needs an update every 10 minutes. And then you update it, and the apps that you had in the former update no longer work with the new update. And so eventually they have you update your phone so many times that you have to get a new one for your phone to work. It's genius and frustrating. That's the devil. The devil works for Apple. I didn't know if you... <laughs> That's why there's a bite missing from the fruit. I'm just saying. Some, just saying. Just, just saying. James says in verse 16, <laughs> meanwhile, back in the Word of God, uh, James says in verse 16, I'm going to say a real redneck just so to help some, some people in this area. Uh, don't be misled. Three simple, well, it's a conjunction and then two simple words, but all together. Do not be, don't be, don't be misled. Because you've been blaming for the devil for things that you really just need more discipline in. Well, all right, that was a little sharp. Don't be misled. James says, no, 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 every good gift comes from above. God's not tempting you. He's the only reason there's anything good in your life. God is not punishing you. He's the only reason you even think you need to be pure. Every good gift comes from above. The Father of heavenly lights, he does not change nor cast a shifting shadow. That's a memory verse for you to hang on to when it seems like the ground underneath you is breaking apart and you do not have any feet to stand on. You need to remember who you stand in. And then he says, and I love this phrase, and I had never caught this before in verse 18. That we are his prized possession. Which means you don't get to be ashamed. Ladies, you don't get to be insecure. Men, you don't get to cover your insecurity and overconfidence. I just got some of y'all. It's easy to preach because I've been there and I still am there. This is a constant flow of growth or it's not. He 
called us, chose us to be his prized possession. Some of you commented, like to acknowledge that I, I posted a couple of things just for fun on social media this weekend because there's just enough rotten out there. I just want to make somebody laugh on occasion. Um, and so my children and I, we do things, when my wife is gone, we do things that we probably wouldn't be able to do whenever she's there. They're not sinful things. They're just things that she doesn't like. Um, and she wasn't there, so we did things. And one of them is I saw this video or this reel of people playing um, Nerf tag blindfolded uh, in the living room. I knew not to bring that up when Megan was home, so I just waited her for her to leave because, because sometimes it really is easier to ask forgiveness than permission. But in this scenario, so we played our game, right, and I spun around, and, and it's amazing how easily you get lost in your own living room um, when you're blindfolded, but you listen for every little sound. And just so you know, I wasn't shooting like the rubber tip Nerf darts at my children. I know better than that. It was the foam ball. It's a little bit harder. <laughs> Shoots a little bit faster. It's pump action just to make sure, you know, they have a fighting chance. Um, <clears throat> and, and we played that game. And then that's one of the things that we do. And then, uh, and then we also, it's like a, it's a scramble to see who gets in our bed. Like mine and Megan, normally the kids are not allowed to sleep in our bed. Um, because Megan is so sweet, she just doesn't like people after nine o'clock. And so we, <laughs> she's not here to defend herself. And she's probably listening and love you. <laughs> so glad that you're coming back today. I really am because me versus three doesn't, that just doesn't add up. And so anyways, two of them fight over who's going to sleep in our bed every time she's gone. Two of them. The oldest is like, bye. <laughs> Adeline, you don't want to sleep? No. No, I don't want to sleep in your bed. I have a bed. I was like, man, I wish this conviction was shared. But the other two, they're fighting over who's going to sleep in the bed. And uh, last night, my son fell asleep. I love it when they fall asleep before me because at parents, grandparents, guardians, look, spiritual mothers and fathers, there is nothing, like few things on earth are more beautiful than a sleeping child. Come on, somebody, preach that with me. Now, when they wake up, that's another story. But when, man, the beauty of a child asleep. And I looked at, over at Gabriel. I could just barely see the moonlight coming through our bathroom window, and it was hitting him in our bed. And he's sound asleep. That pretty little blonde hair. He's got his mama's hair color and my, my hairline, blah, blah, blah. He looks just like me with her hair. And I'm looking. I was like, dude, he is, this dude is amazing. And, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and, and I just kind of run my fingers through his hair because it's beautiful. And, uh, and I just, I pray, God, God, please let me be the man that he needs me to be. And he said to me, as long as you continue to be the son, the same way I look at him, I have my arm on Gabriel. I'm praying over him. God, help me. Please don't let me let him down. He said, did I let you down? You don't love him more than I love you. As he, Gabriel, is my, it's, he's one of my four prized possessions, starting with my bride and filtering down to my children. As he is my prized possession, the Lord said, you are mine. And I just came to prophesy to some people today who, who may feel guilty and ashamed and overwhelmed and insecure. You are God's prized possession. Amen. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he looks at you in an even greater love than I have the ability to look at my 
own. So here's where I want to encourage you today. With that in mind, with the mentality of a son and a daughter of God, let's stop asking what we can get away with. And let's start asking, how close can I get to my heavenly Father? Instead of asking, how much can I drink? Oh, how far can I go? How much can I listen to? How much can I see and watch? Where is the line? Let's stop asking how far we can go and what can we get away with. And let's begin to ask the question, how close can I get? How near can I draw to my heavenly Father because I am his prized possession? That was way longer than I meant for it to be. Look with me at verse 19. James says, understand this, child of God. I love how he prefaces the hard things with, dear brother and sister, you, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Most of us ignore this verse because we are quick to get angry, we are quick to get offended, we are quick to let everybody know how we feel about the offense. Come on. Well, if I feel it, I might as well say it. Nope, that's not in the Bible. You just made that up. <laughs> and we are not slow to wrath or anger. We are quick to let everybody know how we feel. We're quick to get offended, and we are actually slow to listen. In fact, we don't even listen to actually hear anything. We listen with the intent of refuting whatever we hear. And James says that a son and a daughter of God, come on, don't forget, you're his prized possession. You're his prized possession. James says a son and a daughter of God, a brother and sister in Christ, is quick to listen. Quick to listen. I believe that if the church would practice this, I believe that if every person in this room, sons and daughters of God, potential sons and daughters of God, if we would just practice, where are they? Quick to listen. Quick to listen. Shola. Quick to listen. If, if we're quick to listen. It was a sermon illustration. We wanted you to remember it. I wanted to say it seven times till you got it. This would save your relationships. But we're not quick to listen. We're quick to speak. We're quick to fight. We're quick to fight back. We're quick to make sure that they know what they're saying is wrong. Come on. We don't, we don't listen to listen. We don't read to listen. We're not receiving. We're not learning. I, let me use social media. When you read something on social media, you are looking for what you can correct. When you listen to your spouse, oh, I done stepped in something on this side. When you listen to your friend and your family member, you are listening to see what you disagree with and how you can refute it. And I'm telling you today, don't listen to refute. Listen to receive. Be quick. This will save your marriage. Because it's in those moments that you say things and you do things that cannot be unsaid and undone. you got to be quick to listen. Friendships have been severed 
because we're not quick to listen. Megan and I have this form. We got it from Pastor Wayne and Christy Northrup with Saints Community Church over in Metairie. I love what they're doing in this state. Love their investment into the leaders of this state. They shared this form. It's called Intimacy at a Distance. And you can have uh, two, two married people do this, or you can have two friends. There are some questions for married people that are obviously not there for friends, and I see little ears in the room, so I'll be careful. Um, but if I say something in here that you didn't want them to hear, that's why we have children's ministries. Your fault, not mine. So I'm just saying. Um, but, but, but we have this intimacy at a distance, and here's the rule. It's so hard, especially for me, because I don't know if you've noticed, but, but I actually kind of like to talk. I, I, I get paid to. Like, it's what I do for a living. Megan's like, listen. I was like, I got to pay bills, woman. Okay, I need to, I'm practicing. <laughs> she is not going to like this sermon. Um, but we ask, we have all these questions, and here's the rule. You ask the question, you listen to the answer, and you can't respond. Questions like, am I being a good parent? Why? Where can I be better? Questions like, if there's one thing that you could change about me right now, what would it be? What is one area I can improve in my attitude and my actions? And then you see how strong your relationship is or isn't. And you just listen. Because as one of my self-proclaimed mentors, Wayne Cordiero, said, I've never met him, but I just claim him as a mentor. I've read all his books, listened to all his messages. He said, the eye can't see what's in the eye. In other words, you need somebody to tell you where you need to be better. And we need to be quick to listen. And we need to stop listening, just looking for an opportunity to refute what is being said to us. And we need to start listening to receive. Can I get a little amen just to make sure that you're okay? I just, slow to speak. Slow to speak. Guys, I need you to understand there's no such thing as maintenance. See, Physics defines entropy as a law. Entropy, or the law of entropy, is that all things over time decay. It is a scientific fact that all things over time decay. There is no such thing as maintenance. So for all the strength coaches, I'm sorry, I know you're lying to me when you say, well, we're going into a maintenance program. No, no, no. We're going to work our behinds off in the game, and we're going to lift a little weight, and I'm going to lose strength, and I'm going to lose muscle mass, and then I'm going to come back in here in six months, and I'm not going to be as strong as I was before we started the season because maintenance is a myth. Guys, ladies, there is no such thing as maintaining a relationship. It's a myth. It's a lie. You are either growing closer or you are growing apart. Why do so many divorces happen after children leave the home? Because the only thing that they had in common for 18 years is now gone. Why do so many people start off so well in their relationship with God and then within six months, nine months, a year, three years, there's this drift or drawing away because you are either growing stronger in your relationship with God or you are growing stagnant in your relationship with God and the enemy would love for you to believe that maintenance is possible. 
You have to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And finally, you have to be slow to anger. I try not to use too many sports analogies because it's just like too easy. And uh, I've learned in my life that everybody doesn't play sports. It's crazy. Like, some people don't even like sports. Some people don't like people that did play sports. And so I, I, I thought everybody likes sports, right? But no, I'm wrong. So I tend to stray away from these most of the time. But I want to go back to my freshman year because I don't really like talking about the glory days either because I, I just think people sound stupid when they talk about how good they used to be. You know? so like and with the uh, EHS softball reunion games this weekend. It's so funny to watch like grown out of shape people try to go back and show off. It's, it's slow pitch. It's, it's slow pitch. You're supposed to be able to hit it. It's not, it's not impressive. It's like they're going like this. It's, it's, he tossed it to you. Let me throw that thing. Let me throw that thing. Let's see if you can hit it. Let me get one of them girls at EHS to come up and underhand that sucker to you. Let's see how cool you are then, old guy. All right, anyway, so my freshman year, my freshman year, I remember standing on deck, and it was towards the end of the year, and in college baseball, 40 was a big number. If you get to 40 games, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a point for you, and, and this was, we had 39 wins, and for some reason, I was on deck. I really didn't play a ton my freshman year, but we were playing a team, and, and there were men on base, and I was over on, on deck, and I was like, this is about to land on me. This is about to land on me. I'm a freshman, and it's about to land on me, and I felt, I felt my heart rate going up, and I, and I felt my, my blood pressure begin to rise. It's kind of like when, when my children talk back to me, <laughs> or when a staff member doesn't do exactly what I just asked them to do, <laughs> or, or when my wife refutes me in front of my children. It's like I just feel <laughs> when an unbeliever argues the word of God with me, I'm like, do, I will... <laughs> I have to pray in the spirit internally so I don't scare them off. But it's, I was on deck and my heart rate went up and my blood pressure began to rise. And I remember somebody, there was a phrase, I would say from seventh grade, my coach in high school would say, hey, he, he brought me over and he said, hey, hey, peace and calm in Jesus. Yes, I played high school in the seventh grade at a very small school. <laughs> we were not good. But, but hey, peace and calm in Jesus. Peace and calm in Jesus. I need you to take some breaths and say peace and calm in Jesus. So I remembered that all the way up into college. I still do it today <laughs> with some of y'all. <sighs> peace, peace and calm in Jesus. And, and then I went up, and in this moment, I didn't strike out. In this moment, I got the game-winning base hit as a freshman. The run came around and scored. It was a walk-off base hit. We won our 40th game. Yeah, I got an invite to regionals, and I have a World Series ring to this day. Yeah, we would have won it anyways. Had nothing to do with me, but I knew that I needed peace and calm in Jesus, and I knew that I needed to breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth three times because my heart rate was too high. And in order to produce in the big moment, are you with me? In order to produce in the big moment, I needed to calm myself down and focus. Listen to me. There is no bigger moment than how you respond to your children when you're angry. There is no bigger moment than how you respond to your spouse when your blood pressure is about to go through the roof. The soul 
Listen to me. The soul of people hangs in the balance depending upon how you respond to them whenever you are upset. A thousand demons and a secret club of atheists, Antifa, cannot do more damage to the kingdom of God than a so-called saved person with no love and no self-control. I'm telling you, the church has done more damage to the kingdom of God and the United States of America than any propaganda or agenda could ever do. Because we have not practiced what we preach. The very next verse, verse 20. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? Because the wrath of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The human anger does not produce. In other words, when you lose your temper, you lose. You could lose a child. You could lose a soul. You could lose a spouse. You never... I read this verse probably 15 years ago, and I saw James 1.20. Man, that's a big deal. The wrath of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. When I get angry and I react in anger, I do not produce the righteousness of God. I produce the opposite of the righteousness of God. That hit me in the chest like a ton of bricks. Because I just realized that I had not produced the righteousness of God about 10 times in the last 48 hours. Any time that you respond in wrath, you do the opposite of what you wanted to do for the kingdom. If you whip a child out of anger, if you abuse an individual, if you respond without thinking, bunch of keyboard gangsters, <laughs> face to face, you won't say nothing, but behind that screen, oh, you tough, you strong. Somebody calls you on the phone. Oh, no, I'm out. you just didn't read the context of that. I'm I wasn't being ugly. I was just saying. The wrath of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. This is me. This is me, okay? This is me. I'm just sharing it with you. I have learned that every time I lose my temper, I must repent. If I want to achieve the righteousness of God, every time I lose my temper, I must repent. There is never a time that I can lose my temper and it is okay in the kingdom. Because that's what James said. And by the way, I don't just mean apologize and ask for forgiveness. I mean change. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is asking for forgiveness and then adjusting in line with the scripture. Verse 21. Remember, you're God's prized possession. I didn't write this. So get rid of all the filth. Somebody say all. all. Get rid of that. That was about 20 people. Let's all try it this time. So get rid of all. all the filth and evil in your lives. Because what we do in moderation as God's people, the rest of the world will do in excess. What your children and or spiritual children 
what people watch you do that don't come to this house and listen to biblical mandates and principles every week, when they know that you say you're a child of God, that you're born again and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, when they know that but you don't practice what you preach, listen, this nation is not in the condition that it's in because the gospel has not been preached. The gospel has been preached for the last 200 years in the United States of America unlike it has been preached anywhere else in the world. The nation is in its current condition because of the moderation of the former generation and when you operate in moderation the next generation excuses their excess the gospel is being preached but the gospel must be practiced and when we practice the gospel it will proclaim to this age and this generation that the Bible really does transform people from the inside out so get rid of all the filth. Come on, I, I don't not drink, out, consume alcohol because I don't want to. I, actually, you know what? I grew up Southern Baptist, and I knew that I could make out with my girlfriend in the back seat of her dad's vehicle, but if I drank a beer, I was going straight to hell. Every Southern Baptist knows that. <laughs> That's funny because it's true. And I couldn't go to a dance if I was assembly of God. Come on. I had to speak in tongues. Didn't matter how rude I was to my waiter or waitress. Anyways, there's something wrong with all of us, right? But then Paul comes in and he says, Do not allow the devil an opportunity. Avoid the very appearance of evil. I didn't really care about drinking anyways, but I'm telling you, some of you have almost driven me to a cigarette or a can of skull over the last six years. I'm just going to be totally honest. I didn't. Because God told me not to in 2008. And don't ever get good at continuing in something that God told you to stop. And don't ever get good at not doing something that God said to do. Get rid of all filth, all disobedience, all evil in your lives, and humbly accept, humbly help me, Jesus, accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For the word that God has planted in your heart has the power, somebody say power, the word that God planted in your heart, it has the power to save your soul. Only God can save a soul. Only God can forgive your sin. Only Jesus can bridge the gap that separates you from being the prized possession that God created you to be. Come on. Only God can do the supernatural natural but we have to do the practical oh man I liked the supernatural part I just wanted God to move in the altars but we had a Holy Ghost hoe down today well can you believe how good church move idiot sorry could you believe how good church was <laughs> quick to listen slow to speak slow to wrath because the enemy is going to give you an opportunity to excuse yourself from what God said to you by the end of this day. 
but humble yourself because the word of God has the power to save your soul and God can do the supernatural, but we have to do the practical. So I have to ask today, what do you need to filter? Oh, no, 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 hang on, hold on. Because I don't want you to think that this is about somebody else. What do I need to filter? Where do I need accountability? What secret do I need to share? Did you know that the kingdom of heaven is actually working against you if you hold on to a secret that you were supposed to confess and share? Because the Bible says that he who hides sin in his heart shall not prosper. There are some prayers that God is not even listening to because you haven't dealt with what he already said. And a good parent will not move on. Come on. Grandparents will. But a good, <laughs> a good parent will not move on until we adjust from where we are. What secret do I need? What app? My phone, my television, what station do I need to delete? I'm tell hear me. Lukewarm Christianity has gotten us where we have arrived. It is time that we practice what we preach and what we hear preached. Let's keep going. Don't just listen to God's word. Verse 22. You got to do what it says. Not when you feel like it. Not if you want to. You must. Can, can I tell you the greatest fear of my heart? And it's why I preach the way that I preach. It's why I'm in ministry. Because I grew up in this state. And then I had two children in Arkansas and one in East Texas. And now I'm back here in Louisiana. I, I have grown up in the Arklatex. There's a church on every corner. And I know a lot of people that think they're headed to heaven, but they live like a heathen. And I am so concerned that way too many people have false confidence in a salvation that they are not living out. At the same time, I'm also concerned that you would walk out of here and feel condemned and beat up and underconfident. If you're in Christ, be secure in Christ. Be confident in Christ. If you're not, why are we having debates? So, well, should you speak in tongues or should you not? Can you lose your salvation or can you not? How far, how much can I drink before it's, it's drinking a sin? It's smoking a sin. Who cares? Live for Jesus and you don't have to worry about it. Follow Christ with all of your heart. When God says don't, don't. When God says move, move. When God says start, start. When God says serve, give, grow. Serve, give, grow. If you read it and the Holy Spirit says it, then you have to do it. Otherwise, in the words of my great friend, the Grinch, you're an idiot. It just is what it is. You're fooling yourselves. Verse 23, because if you listen to the word and you don't obey, isn't it interesting how applicable what James wrote 2,000 years ago is to us today? It's as if this thing is alive. If 
you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. And the truth is, most of us would rather look at ourselves through a filter than a mirror. Okay, hang on, let me lighten up a minute. Um, Paige Taylor, not Carter, called her Paige Carter. (laughs) That's Lydia Carter. I grew up with these people, and I've been around them, and I knew their last names before they were married, and I can't get it out. Like, to this day, every time my phone rings, I'm like... Kelsey Weaver. Oh, Wilson Weaver. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I don't know. It's weird. It's nine years. Y'all been married nine years? Yeah, and it's just hard. I don't know. Anyways, Paige Taylor, she gave my children her cell phone. Mistake number one. Do not give my children your cell phone. They will take your phone and cause confusion in your life. They'll move your apps. They'll delete things. They'll open up things. They'll take pictures of themselves. They'll go through filters. All right, I have some pictures of my children with some, that's Emery. <laughs> Show some more. This is fun. Just keep going. Gabriel, Emery. Oh, my Elsa, what is going on? That is my son. Put the next picture up. There he is. Look, she's even cute as Shrek. All right, so, so as, these are, as these are circulating, I, I think this is how most people live their lives. Look, listen, if you currently right now, look how much he looks like me. That's funny. Uh, if, you, if you right now have your Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever other social media platform you may use, if it is a filtered picture, I'm making fun of you. Right now, I am making fun of you. But here's the rule, side note. Here's the rule. You cannot make fun of things that people can't help. But if you do it on purpose, that is open game, my friend. That is the principle in our family. And listen, I think it's as silly as this is. (laughs) Some people have dogs. They pay money for dogs that look like that. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. As silly as this is. Some of you have snakes in your house. No, 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 it's not a physical snake. You deal with that. It's a serpent. It's the same enemy that was in the garden. And here's what he's saying. He's saying the same thing he said in the formation of the earth. Did God really say? Did God really say that you should pursue purity before marriage? Did God really say, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit? Did God really say that we should give above and beyond the tithe? Did God really expect us to disciple other people? And we have a serpent. And we look in the mirror, and we forget who we are. We forget what we see. Because we would rather live with a filter than have to crucify our flesh. And as silly as those pictures were, that's what most so-called saved people look like spiritually. And they're a playground for the enemy. James 1.25 is actually one of my favorite verses, and I'm going to quote it differently than it's being read to you. I don't remember what version I learned The New Living Translation is here on the screen. I just remember learning, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Like Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
See, you're not free because you're not in the word. And if you are in the word, then you're not practicing the principles of the word and you cannot live in the confidence of a child of God and be disobedient to the voice of God. There will be an angst inside of you that knows that what you see is not lining up with what he said and there's only one solution and it's surrender. And he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, to the perfect law that sets you free and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of God's word. I love the last. This one will be blessed in all that he and or she does. Because when you don't hide sin in your heart, come on, the blessing of the Lord follows you in and out upon everything you touch and everywhere you go. Because obedience, it doesn't equal salvation. No, 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 you are saved. You are a child of God. But obedience equals blessing. Makarios. Above and beyond financial provision. That's just part of it. Yeah, he's going to take care of you in that area too. But verse 26, and this is heavy. Buckle up for just a minute because it gets good. But this isn't the good part. This is the South Louisiana part. This is the North Louisiana part. If you claim to be religious... But don't control your tongue. In the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. Help me, God. Help me. I told you, I had to apologize to my children just a couple of weeks ago. I had to sit my children down and say, that is not who I want you to be. I am sorry. I'm going to strive to be more like Jesus. I don't want to do that. That's not how I should behave. I repent. I'm sorry. As much as I pick with my wife, I'm telling you, she is my greatest covering. She's my best friend. And if you're not married, then you have a best friend or you should have a best friend. What is a best friend? A best friend is somebody who loves you but is not impressed by you. A best friend is somebody that will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I'm not being ugly today. I, I want so desperately for us to be the most genuine and authentic followers of Jesus in Acadiana that draws thousands of people not neglecting the ones who have already come. I need you to grow because God has a plan for you to disciple some more disciples. But if you claim to be religious and you have no self-control, if you claim to be religious and you cannot guard your tongue because blessing and cursing should not flow from the same mouth because bitter and sweet can't flow from the same stream. There will be one or the other. If you claim to be religious, but you don't operate in the fruits of the Spirit. Listen, I love the Pentecostal movement. I'm not talking about the United Pentecostal movement. I'm talking about the Azusa Street Revival Pentecostal movement. I love the Spirit-filled movement. I love the charismatic. I love 
love encountering God in the supernatural, anointing with oil, laying hands on the sick, believing God for miracles in 2022, just like they did in 22. I love those things. But we can't just be good and interested in the gifts of the Spirit if we're not operating in the fruits of the Spirit. Did you know that you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit and not even be saved? Oh, I just messed some of y'all up. You remember this guy named Judas? Jesus looked at him and said, Judas and everybody else that was around, you prophesy in my name. I believe one of the gifts of the Spirit is prophecy. You prophesy in my name. You cast out demons in my name. You heal the sick in my name. In my name, you perform many miracles. That's a gift of the Spirit. But I will look unto you plainly and I will speak to you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I read that verse at 19 years old and it scared the heaven into me. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? No, I don't talk like you. I have to practice not to. (laughs) If you claim to be religious, but you're an angry, arrogant, Bible-beating bigot, if you claim to be religious, but secretly you're an addict, if you claim to be religious, but you openly sin and assume it's okay with God, you're fooling yourself. James said it, not me. And your religion is worthless. Guys, is it not up there? James 1.26. Your religion is worthless. Guys, I'm telling you, this is what's wrong with America. It's not agendas. It's not propaganda. It's not groups outside of the church. This is what's wrong with America. We have been preaching a gospel that we have not been practicing, and we have made the power of God worthless to an entire generation. And James goes on to say, get rid of all the filth, get rid of all the evil, take care of the widows and the orphans, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He goes on to continue to exhort the people of God and say, hey, listen, don't favor the rich people and ignore the poor people. Don't favor the people that you like, that dress like you and and look like you and ignore the people that you don't like. Don't form Christian cliques and call it discipleship. No, help me, Jesus. Open up your group to the currently uninvited. Pull up a chair for somebody that won't pull up a chair for themselves because favoritism is a sin. That's what he says. I didn't say it. I just read it. But then he gets down to verse 12, and thank God we can land this jet. Here's what he says. So whatever you say and whatever you do, Remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. It sets you free. This is not to harm you. This is not for you to walk out of here condemned and beaten down. No, 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 no. This is for you to acknowledge who you're not so that you can repent into who God created you to be. Verse 13, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. I left one thing out, and this is where we're going to hone in and pray. 
James said in James chapter 2, just a few verses up from verses 12 and 13, that if you've committed one sin, you're guilty of them all. One sin, you're guilty of them all. In other words, if you've ever lied, you're as guilty as an adulterer. If you've ever committed adultery, then you are as guilty as a murderer. There's not one sin that is greater than another. I don't have time to preach that theologically today. Now, Jesus paid once and for all, all sin. Doesn't necessarily mean that all sin is the same because the judgment of all sin is not the same. And I don't have time to preach that. I'm just telling you that John said some there are sins that lead unto death. Paul said that there are sins that you commit that are outside of your body and inside of your body. But Jesus Christ paid the same for all sin. Are you with me? Well, I got stuck in doctrine. Well, who wants to hear doctrine? Well, that should be why you go to this church or not. Doctrine is so important. But if you've committed one sin, then you're guilty of them all. It's interesting to me how mad people get at this LGBTQ and headed into pedophile agenda. I'm telling you, it's coming. How sickening it is, right? But those same people, those same people committed adultery on Jesus before they married their current spouse. Hi, I'm one of them. Those same people thought that marriage cleansed their relationship. And that person is not the only person that they were with. And I'm looking around this room and I just can't help but wonder, is there even anybody in here, don't raise your hand, who was actually pure when they got married or who is actually pure right now? And yet, here we are, this dirty, rotten, fallen, leftist, radical Guys, listen, if you don't show mercy. Yeah, but do you know what Disney is doing to our children? Yeah, and you better have more influence on your baby than Disney has. Do you know what they're saying on TikTok? Why does your nine-year-old have TikTok? Watch it with them or don't let them watch it. They're going to see something that they shouldn't see. I'm telling you right now, you got to monitor One sin, we're guilty of them all. Here's where I stand today. When I paid to end a life because I did something that shouldn't have formed a life in the age that I didn't want to, and you translate that how you need to, I needed mercy. I needed mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, when I sat with the woman who is now my bride and the mother of my three children, and we had both been unfaithful to God and unfaithful to one another, I needed mercy. When I was driving down the road, intoxicated, and I could hardly see the road, and I thought, man, I wonder if I ran into those poles and my life was over right now. I wonder if God would still let me into the kingdom because I know that the Bible says a drunkard shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I needed mercy. I don't know where you needed mercy. I'm just telling you, God is rich in it. And mercy has always triumphed over judgment. So wherever you are, whatever you've done, come on, James is reminding us today, 
our God is merciful, but he is not enabling. He wants us to know who we are and then behave and become like him. So I say it one more time and we're gonna pray. Let's stop asking how far can I go? How much can I get away with? How little can I give, serve and grow? And let's ask how close, come on, how close can I get to my daddy?